Hey guys, this is Kayla with Kick-Ass Divorce Recovery, the no-bullshit approach di divorce coach. Yeah, I'm choking on that one this morning. Anyway, good morning, or maybe not good morning, depending on where you're at in the world. Um, wherever you're at in the world, I hope that you are already starting out with a beautiful day, right? And that you had an incredible day today. If you are fighting through the bullshit of divorce, you may not be. So... I am here today to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, so I am actually in the process of building a course right now, and I'm not about to sell you on that, okay? So don't, you know, don't lose me there. Um, but I am in the process of building a course, and it's been very interesting because it has brought a lot of stuff up from my own divorce that I honestly did not um, even realize, right? And, uh, and some of it I, I knew on some level, but it's like things are, you know, when you start really getting engrossed in learning about something or, you know, a project, right? You might be in the shower and it's like all of a sudden all these ideas come to you, right? Or if you're like me, maybe you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning with like ideas that you have to get on paper, right? And, um, and I've kind of been having those same scenarios, right? So I want to tell you a little bit about my own story just so that you can, you know, understand where I'm coming from, right? So if you listen to episode one, that was the origin story, right? That's really my divorce story, right? Like what happened? How the hell did I get here? What made me decide to become a divorce coach? Um, and, you know, like... What was it really that, like, worked for me, right? What what, what was the turning point for me where I was like, holy shit, I can't, I can't do traditional approaches to divorce recovery, like, or I'm never going to get to the place that I really want to be, right? And uh, anyway, so, um, you know, I'm building this course out, right? And um, in the process of building the course out, I'm like, holy shit, this is gold, you know, and then I'll say something and I'll be like, oh my God, that's gold too, you know, and I'll kind of like freak out. Um, so it's been very interesting and I, I am really excited to get that out to you guys and to the world. Um, uh, but in the meantime, you know, I want to give you some real tactical strategies and techniques and so forth. And so anyway, one of the things, one of the stories that I want to tell you um, it's kind of in the early, well, I'm not going to say early stage, it's probably like mid-stage of my um, divorce, right? So I'm waiting on the paperwork to finalize. I, I'm slowly starting to get a semblance of my life together. I feel like the world is starting to slow in the sense of all of the negative bullshit that just kind of perpetually comes at you when you're in divorce, right? I call that the bullshit roller coaster, and I'll probably go a little bit deeper into that here in a little while. Um, but I was kind of starting to feel like it was getting better, right? Not a lot, but just like, just a little bit. Like, just a little bit. I was starting to feel like I had a little bit more control of the situation. I didn't feel like my emotions were everywhere, you know? And, uh, or quite so much everywhere, I should say. And uh, anyway, so one day... I'm talking to my grandmother on the phone, and uh, she's very sweet. She's like 90. I mean, she's she's up there, and she's very has very conservative worldview. Um, she grew up in the Depression era. She is very much um, like kind of the quintessential little Southern grandma, right? And she has some pretty outdated perspectives 
on what relationships mean, especially romantic relationships, right? Now, I love my grandmother very much, okay? I, we, her name is Mama, right? That's what we call her, Mama, which is, I don't know, I guess that's like a southern way of saying grandma. I'm not really sure. But um, I love, you know, my Mama very much, but this one day I'm talking to her, and, you know, you got to recognize in this particular moment, I was in it, you know? I was in it. My, you know, I think I told you about my best friend had died. My um, ex, you know, got pregnant, like, um, got his girlfriend at the time pregnant, and we hadn't legally filed divorce paperwork. I mean, it was just, I was in it, right? Like, I was really struggling. I was trying to finish my master's degree. I had my son full-time, and um, and I knew that his dad was going to be moving to another state eight hours away. Like, I knew it was coming, right? And talking to Grandma one day on the phone, and she says, you know, I, uh, it, life is just so hard without a man, right? That's what she says. And, you know, I've heard her say this before, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, you know, life is hard through a divorce. I don't know if life is hard without a man, you know, like, I don't know if I could say that, you know, or at least at that particular time, I, you know, definitely wouldn't have said that. But, um, she then says, you know, I just wish you would have tried harder and not given up so easily on your marriage. Now, I had been with my husband for 10 years. I had tried everything I could think of. I mean, literally, I had thrown everything I could against the wall to see what would stick. And I had had very little success in the probably five years prior that we had been talking ourselves off of the ledge of divorce, right? Literally, for years, every year, we would come to this place of discussing that conversation. And, you know, and eventually talking ourselves out of it. But my grandma says, I really wish that you would have fought harder for your marriage and not given up so easily. And I just had this moment. Like, this just tiny, mini nuclear bomb went off in my head, right? And I just, I didn't freak out on grandma. But I literally thought in my head, fuck you, grandma fuck you, like, <laughs> you know, and I love my grandma very much, right, and again, I did not say this to her, but in my head, I was like, I cannot, right, I cannot take your shit right now, like, I don't have the emotional or the mental real estate to give up at this particular moment, right, and I'll tell you another story here in a minute about emotional real estate, right, but I literally was like, in my mind, just like, you don't even know the shit that I did to try and make it work. You don't even, you can't even contemplate how many different things that I tried, right? Like, he would be like, you know, we're not having enough sex. And I'd be like, okay. And like, every day, for like weeks, I would just, he would walk in the door and I would just throw it at him, right? And I did not feel sexy. My libido was not great. But I was fighting through it to try and make him happy, right? Fighting through sex to try and make him happy, right? He said that I didn't cook enough. So for weeks, I cooked every single day, right? Made dinner, hot and fresh when you get home, on the table. And I'm not the world's greatest cook, but there were multiple times where he came home, saw what I made, 
saw that maybe it got burnt or it wasn't as good as one would, you know, hope or maybe it just wasn't what he wanted. And he would be like, I'm going to go get food. And he would leave and go get food. And we were poor, people. We were dead ass poor at that particular point, right? And um, it was devastating. It was devastating to feel like I was putting in all this effort and I wasn't getting anywhere, you know? He complained that the house wasn't clean enough. It, you know, like, I mean, you name it, I, I was failing on all fronts, right? And, you know, part of my story is that I'm codependent, and I, it took me a long time to figure that out, okay? It took me a very long time to figure that out. And if you're codependent, my heart goes out to you because it's a tough place to be, um, you know, if you are someone who doesn't, you know, one, doesn't even know what, you know, codependent is, because a lot of people who are codependent don't even know they're codependent, right? They're just trying really desperately hard to make their partner happy and just absolutely not making it happen and then feeling like complete failures because they can't seem to, to fix that. They can't fix that happiness issue for their partner, right? Um, which typically that means your, your partner's usually probably a narcissist, not, not always, right? But, um, you know, we tend to attract narcissists, that's kind of our game, right? So anyway, all of this to say, I had this moment of wig out in my head, where I was like, I cannot believe that this 90-year-old woman is telling me I have not tried, because I have tried my ass off, like, I, I literally didn't know what else to do. Now, please don't mistake me for saying that I was perfect in my relationship because I was not, okay? But what I had done was I had tried all of the things that I knew to do at the time, okay? And the reality is most people are not good at marriage or relationship because it's not something we're taught, right? It's not something we're taught, and not only is it not something we're taught, but it's something we don't see very often, right? We don't see healthy relationships very often, right? What's more common is for us to see people who are sticking it out, but are miserable. They don't like each other. They're just there, just like out of convenience and dealing with it, right? And so, you know, we don't have models of that. And how can we do something that we've never actually seen done successfully, right? With no education and no understanding of how it actually is supposed to be, right? So, I, I have a lot of opinions about how that works, but all of that to say, Grandma sent me into a blind rage that day, okay? And I didn't go off on Grandma, but there was a moment where I literally realized, I, I gotta make my life about me right now. Like, I gotta be really selfish and cutthroat about who I am taking information from, who I am accepting judgments and opinions and you know, advice from at this particular moment in my life because I was exhausted and I'm sure many of you are, right? If you if you found your way to this particular podcast, you are probably struggling, right? And if you are struggling, I feel you, bro. I fucking feel you, okay? Because struggling wasn't even really the word, right? I was, I was drowning, I felt like my own emotions were going to swallow me up. My emotions swung like a pendulum based on what my ex was doing, based on how the day was going, based on my career and the hiccups that occurred in that every day, based on my child's attitude. I mean, 
everything, every situation, every occurrence was like death by a thousand cuts. Because I just already was so emotionally overwhelmed that every single thing that got thrown at me felt exhausting. It felt like so much. I remember looking at my my living room one day and we had been pretty, pretty uh, strapped for cash for several years before our marriage. And so we, we had a lot of hand-me-down furniture, right? And I mean hand-me-down furniture that was like hideous, okay? It was just, it was not nice. And um, we had these green couches that were huge and ugly. And I had um, like a college that I worked at was getting rid of them. And so I took them. And they had had them for God knows how long. They had pro- they probably had those things since the 70s. Like, it was not great. And um, I had this day where I was looking at my, my living room. And I was looking at those green couches and just raging at how ugly they were. And how they ruined the aesthetic of my living room and how they made my room, my living room look dirty even when it was clean. And I mean, I'm just literally sitting there boiling over these couches that I took for free from a college, right? Like I, if that explains to you my emotional state at that particular point, right? Like everything felt like a jab to my ego, right? Every failure. And that was a failure, right? In my world, Looking at those cheap-ass couches that I, because I couldn't afford better, and now I'm a single mom and I definitely can't afford better, right? Like, I don't have that much money. Um, I'm stretching it in an area that's pretty expensive to live in because of where my job was, you know? And I'm just like, how the hell am I going to do this? And how am I going to do it with these ugly couches, right? Which is, you know, it's not really what it was about but when I say death by a thousand cuts I think that's the true pain of divorce right that first six months to a year so much is coming at you and that's why I call it the bullshit roller coaster because every time you feel like you're starting to get your life together something pops off right something happens your your ex does something new and unfamiliar that you didn't know you were gonna have to negotiate right maybe your um, ex's new girlfriend posts crazy stuff on social media about you or about your children. Or maybe she tells, you, you know, she says she's their mom or whatever, right? Like crazy stuff constantly happens and it's all new, all of it. And that's really why it's so overwhelming because you don't know how to negotiate any of it yet, right? And it is exhausting. I mean... Like, straight up, it's miserable. So, with that being said, what I realized was I got to be really serious about who is an influence, what is an influence, what am I doing? And I, I like to call this strategy binary thinking, right? So, I like to say, you know, if you know anything about binary numbers, right, it's zeros and ones for computers. It's like coding, right? Like, it's packets of information, and literally the information is coded in zeros and ones, right? So, to me, the way I kind of see this is, like, things are either black or white, right? And not from a perspective of diversity, okay? Stick with me. But from a perspective of things are either moving you forward or they're holding you back. 
That's it. Like, and you have to take that approach, right? You have to look at your life and assess what is moving me forward and what is holding me back. And some of the things that I'm going to tell you that were, were holding me back in that particular moment was being a people pleaser, right? Being codependent made me feel like I needed to accept everybody's opinion about my life. And I'm going to tell you, there were a lot of people that had really negative opinions about my life. My own sister had a lot of things to say about me dating, about me being a crappy mother, about, I mean, all kinds of shit, right? Like, lots of people had lots of things to say on top of the already challenging relationship with my ex, right? Because we were trying to negotiate the legalities of the divorce, right? And so I had to become very cutthroat. And literally that day, on the phone with my grandma, I was just like, got it. Nope. I'm done with this shit. And like, literally... You know, it was like, okay, Grandma, like, I will I will send you a handwritten letter next time that I want to communicate with you, right? And you laugh because it's like, really? A handwritten letter? Who's going to do that? Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Nobody, right? But here's the deal. Grandma's going to love a handwritten letter, right? She's going to feel special. And I have to wait four or five weeks for her response, right? Because snow mail is forever slow and it's going to take her a week or two to get to writing me back, right? So, if I can do that, if I can transition my communication to a different way, right, it's a solution. It's an odd solution, but it's a solution, right? And so you have to start getting creative with, all right, if your mother thinks that you're an idiot and you need to go and beg for him back, right? Maybe your mom has codependent tendencies, right? And she thinks that your life is going to be hell without a man, right? Maybe you can't talk to mom every day, right? Hell, maybe you can't talk to mom once a week, right? Does your mom call you 24-7? If she does, you might have to say, look, mom, I love you, but I don't have the mental energy to be on the phone all day. I'm sorry, but uh, if you really need me to call you, I'll check in on you I'm on lunchtime. And pick a time during the day when you know you're going to be really limited on time, right? Like, you know you're going to have to be like, okay, mom, got to get off the phone, bye, right? And then maybe you even have to decide, like, I'm really only going to listen with, like, half an ear, right? Or I'm going to passively say, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm right, and not actually take in any of the shit that she's saying, right, or, you know, maybe you just say, mom, I'm going on a, I'm going on a vacay, or I'm gonna eat, pray, love my way through this, and, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going on a phone hiatus for the next month, or whatever, like, whatever it is that you have to do, right, and again, you might have to get creative with this, because you might have people in your life who are negative, who you do have to interact with every single day, and, like, you know, a boss, for example, right? One of the people who made my life hell during um, the first part of my divorce was my boss at the time. And I mean, like, it was full-on hostile work environment. Um, He spread rumors about my um, divorce. He, I mean, he did all kinds of shit, right? And it was awful. Um, And there were times where I literally wanted to fist fight this guy. I was so mad and so angry. And I was already angry as hell at the world because of just what was occurring in my life, right? Um, And so there was a point where I was like, I got to take action, man. I got to, I got to move. And I literally like pursued that guy through HR because I just could not continue to deal with his bullshit, right? Like, I finally just was like, I gotta stand up for myself, otherwise I'm gonna have to keep dealing with this, and this is just one more thing in my life that I don't have the energy or the time for, right? 
And so you have to get really cutthroat, like really cutthroat about taking care of you, right? And that means acknowledging who feeds you, right? Like who feeds your spirit, who encourages you, who gives you valuable advice, who... Um, whose opinions do not devastate you, right? People are either a spring, right, where they renew you, they fill you, they make you, like, you know, more um, content, more certain, more happy, more etc. Or they're a drain, right? They're either a spring or they're a drain. And so you really have to decide, all the people in my life, are they springs or are they drains, right? And you got to start cutting them out. Okay, start cutting them out. If you've got a best friend who her entire life is about following the Kardashians, I'm sorry, but she's a drain. Okay? She's a freaking drain. Like, if you want to be the best version of you, you can't be worried about small-minded shit like that. You don't have time for it. You don't have the mental real estate for it. Right? And no offense to the Kardashians. I have, you know, zero uh, feelings about them one way or the other. But if your life is monopolized by being worried about what the celebrities are doing... You really have to reevaluate where you're putting your time and energy, right? And as a single mom going through a divorce, your time and your energy is like your most precious resources, okay? They are literally your most limited resources. Like, it's so important that you are the guardian of those two things, right? And I mean, like, you need to be a damn warrior for those two things in your life. Because if you're not... There are plenty of fucking energy and time vampires around who are happy to suck those away from you, right? So one of the other things that you can look at and that you need to be really cutthroat with is your habits, your patterns, or your rituals, whatever you prefer to call them, but how you spend your time every day, right? So one of the things that I found that I did, and many women complain about this, is social media became a soul suck for me, okay, because now all of a sudden my ex was posting everything in the world about his new girlfriend and how amazing they were, and she was posting things that were devastating my soul about, you know, like, you know, uh, like how she was like a mom to my child, and, you know, and she hadn't known my child long enough for me to be quantifying her as any kind of mom figure in his life, you know, um, and there was just a lot of shit that, like, at that particular point, social media was too much. It was physically exhausting to be a part of. And on top of that, I had really good friends and family who loved me and thought they were being helpful by reporting out on everything that the ex and the ex's girlfriend were doing, right? And, uh, and so those people would call me and be like, did you see what she posted, and I would be like, no, what, you know, because maybe I had had the will to not go look at their social media that day, um, and my friends and family would tell me what was going on, and it would just, again, it would be more of those little cuts, more of those open wounds, um, and it was just, it was too much, it was devastating, and so um, I had to eventually ask friends and family to stop reporting out on the social media, right? Like, if you see it, just acknowledge it and keep moving. Assume that I saw it and don't tell me about it because I don't want to talk about it. I, again, don't have the mental real estate to emotionally process one more thing right now, right? Because that's one of the things that happens is you 
you get so emotionally backed up. Like, you're literally, like, emotionally constipated, right? That's what I'm going to name this episode, emotionally constipated. Um, but, yeah, it's like you get so backed up. And it's like there's just so many things to try and process. And you, you can't do it all at one time. And so people who think that they're being helpful, well-meaning, well-intended people are actually sucking your spirit more, right? So you even have to, like, get real with those people and say, look, for the sake of my sanity, you, you've got to stop, right? And for you, you might have to just block your ex on social media so that you don't feel tempted to go look at their social media information. Now, maybe you won't have to do that. Some people have more self-control than others. But some of us had to, right? I talked to a woman the other day that I'm coaching and she was like, look, I, I just realized I got to block him. And I was like, yes, yes. Like if it's a temptation, block him because it's just going to make you crazy. And so, and that's what she did. And she was so proud of herself. It was this huge moment, you know? So with that being said, right, you really need to evaluate your habits and your patterns, right? And some of those habits and patterns might be when you're going to bed at night, when you're getting up in the morning, right? When you're going through that much emotional turmoil, it's very common to experience insomnia. Like, very common. I had horrible insomnia, and I had battled insomnia most of my life, but um, with my divorce, it was on a new level because now I didn't have anybody sleeping in the bed with me, which, you know, when you get used to that and then it goes away, it's, it's tough. And then... Uh, two, I just, I didn't feel safe. Uh, like, I don't know if it was, I kind of feel like it was like two parts, like emotionally safe. I knew that I was kind of an emotional wreck at that particular moment. And then also, you know, just physically safe. I ended up with a stalker at one point and like just crazy shit was happening in my life. Right. So anyway, um, you need to get cutthroat about your, um, about your habits and patterns, right? Like, you've got to decide for yourself, are all of these habits and patterns serving me, right? Like, if one of the things that you do every day is you grab your haagen when you get home and you climb into your bed and you binge watch Netflix and eat ice cream, that might not be supporting your overall health and comeback, right? Like, that might actually be making you feel shittier. Actually, I can tell you with confidence it is making you feel shittier, right? Um, and that's no judgment for me, okay? I hope you guys know. Um, I'm going to be really real with you as this podcast progresses, and I'm going to cuss probably a lot because, let's be honest, there's nothing like divorce to not make you, uh, or to make you want to cuss. Um, and with that being said... You know, I, like, I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be blunt, but it's it's out of love because I know the pain, right? I know the devastation. I know the exhaustion and the fatigue and feeling like I don't know how long I can do this, you know? And that that's how I felt. I felt like I don't know how long I could do this. I don't know if I will ever meet somebody who I can trust again. I felt so betrayed, right? And and not because my husband cheated on me or anything like that. I mean, he did, you know, like, they got pregnant while we were still in the process of, like, even figuring out, like, the legal stuff. Um, 
but I don't, okay, I, I, and I also feel like I gotta put this on record too, I don't have hard feelings towards them at this point, so if you hear me get feisty, it's not because I have hard feelings towards them at this point, it's because I really want you to understand how I felt, and I want you to be able to go, yeah, I, I can see myself in that story, right, I want you to, to like, it's like a show of solidarity, if you will, right, like to understand everybody experiences this, right, and I talk to women all the time who experience, you know, all of the emotions, because it's a range of emotions, and the fact is, it, it is excruciating, it's exhausting, you're probably gonna hear me say those words 700 times, right, excruciating, if I can come up with better synonyms, I will find them, because it's hell, right, it is hell, and I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't have to be, Okay, it doesn't have to be. Now, it took me a little too long to figure that out, but it doesn't have to be. And one of the strategies that you can employ is this idea of binary thinking, right? You can get get really cutthroat, like right now, today, start cutting out shit that is not serving you, right? Start cutting out people and patterns and habits that you, you know, you do every single day. Start cutting that shit out, and I'm telling you, right away, you will see a huge improvement. All right, you will start feeling better because you'll be cutting out some of the toxic shit. And I'm going to tell you, you need to cut out as much of that toxic shit as you possibly can. Like, today, okay? Today. Because if you leave it there, while you're still dealing with divorce lawyers and custody agreements and your ex's new girlfriend, right? It's only going to drain you further. And then you don't have the mental energy to deal with the things and make the decisions that you really need to be able to make. You don't have the mental energy to be the mom that you want to be. Right? So, ladies, I'm going to kill it right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and end it. But I just want you to know that, like, I've been there. I feel you. I'm going to keep coming at you with strategies and tactics that I, you know, mindsets, perspectives that will help shift your thinking and put you in a place to recovery because you don't you don't deserve to feel the way that you do okay and if you're codependent you might actually feel like you deserve this I did I, I believed that I I deserved the pain that I was going through which of course only made it worse right but I want you guys to, to take that strategy and start applying it and if you're like deep in you know maybe you're already divorced you're like two years later you're like nah I'm golden right still apply this idea of binary thinking like to this day I am still very cutthroat about what I allow into my life right I do not watch the news because I am not allowing uh, all of that negative shit and all that negative vibrations into my life like what I have determined is that if shit's really going down and there's stuff in the news that I need to know about, somebody I know out here in the world is going to say something to me about it. Always, without fail, right? Because people tell you information that you don't you don't want to know, nor do you necessarily need to know, right? So when things are happening in the world, they're going to tell you, right? Social media is going to tell you. So I don't need to go watch the 5 o'clock news every day, right? I don't need to go to CSB and see whatever. I can't think of all the letters, right? You don't need that in your life because it's it's not going to support you. It's not going to give you anything, right? In fact, I, I mean, literally, think about it. Like, when's the last time that, like, you've ever watched the news and went, God, I feel so good about the world today. Can you, can you think? 
of one time ever where you've walked away from the news like, oh, humanity is so beautiful. It's never happened. It's never happened. Because their ratings depend on people watching. And you know what people pay attention to? Negative shit. Negative shit. And you cannot pay attention to negative shit. It does not serve you. Okay? So, get cutthroat. Find the things in your life that make you feel like shit and get rid of them. ASAP. Okay? ASAP. Patterns, habits, rituals. You know, if you're tying one on every night right now because you're really feeling the struggle, but then the next morning you're feeling like shit because you're hungover because you drink seven glasses of wine while you blogged your little soul out. Hey, no judgment. Been there. Done that. But is it really serving you? And I would challenge you to look at everything in your life from that perspective. Is it really serving you? If it's not, cut that shit today. And I'm telling you, you will see immediate shifts in just your general perspective of the world, right? How you feel about what's going on in your life. Because you're taking in 50% less bullshit every day. 50% is a hell of a number, right? And even if you, today, you only reduce it 10%. Tomorrow, you cut another 2%. Wednesday, you cut another 3%. Maybe Friday, Thursday, you only cut 1%. Well, shit, we're down 20% right now. Huge freaking win. I don't know if that's accurate math, because I I just shouted out a bunch of things. But you know what I'm saying, okay? Start cutting the shit out. Be judicious. Alright, guys. I told you I was getting out of here. I gotta get out of here. I hope you have a beautiful day. And until next time, please, take care of yourselves.